Watching Golden State Warriors play, they don't always take it to the house. They pass it and they pass it and they pass it like basketball was meant to be played, and you can see it in the results. We've seen the best record in the history of basketball over the course of the last few three years, and that all comes out of Silicon Valley. Eric Milanowski has got a new book about that called Better Ball: How Silicon Valley and Science Built One of the Greatest Basketball Teams in History. Based in San Mateo, uh, in our Bloomberg 960 studios in San Francisco, where I'm normally sitting. Uh, Eric, uh, I'm a longtime Warriors fan, as if you couldn't tell. I have suffered from that team for years and seen some of the worst basketball I've ever could imagine uh, played by anyone of any age. This team plays the game in it like no one else ever has. They really do. I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to do the book was that, you know, this all sort of uh, has happened in a pretty short amount of time. <laughs> and at that same token, I don't think that anybody really expected them to get this good this quickly. So part of the reason I wanted to do it was to take a look back. Uh, as you mentioned, they were historically awful for a really long time. And oh, then God. this new ownership group came in in 2010 and really turned everything around. So talk to us a little bit more about that, because um, I think we are constantly dealing with Silicon Valley invading everything and anything we do. So dig down a little bit deeper in terms of um, how you say it created this great basketball team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that when we... I was actually a little bit hesitant about putting the phrase Silicon Valley on the cover for the reasons I think you alluded to. I think that we tend to roll our eyes a little bit at some of the things we hear Silicon Valley attempting to disrupt or what have you. Uh, but, you know, Joe Lakeup, who was a longtime venture capitalist at Kleiner Perkins for 25 years, when he bought the team, he, was, he wasn't tasked with, you know, uh, creating a $400 juicer. He was tasked with, you know, reinventing a basketball team. And what he knew and what he learned along the way was that a lot of the concepts and principles that he learned in the Valley uh, were directly applicable to running an NBA organization. So he stripped it all down. He essentially built it back up. He brought in employees who were going to empower other people in the organization. He was going to make everyone feel invested in the outcome. He was, he, it was this idea that you never knew where the next good idea was going to come from, no matter their pay grade, whether their you know, office had a window in it. Um, it was just being open to all of these ideals, and that's why I named the book Beta Ball, because it comes from that stage of software development called beta, where your product isn't finalized, you're willing to innovate, you're going to take risks, and you're not afraid to fail. And the Warriors actually failed a lot in the first two years of this ownership group, but a lot of their well, decisions were validated. I, mean, do you, I don't know if you wrote about it in the book, but there was a, there was a moment when he went out to retire Chris Mullins' jersey. Chris Mullins, yep. uh, one of the greatest players in the history of the game, and certainly one of the greatest Warriors. Um, he wanted to retire his jersey. Mullen had been sort of unceremoniously forced out by the prior management team, and Everyone was booing him because he just traded away Monte Ellis, a popular uh, player but a minor uh, star uh, right. in the world of basketball stars, and got, got booed while he was out there on the court. Yeah, that, that, that shows up about a third of the way through the book, and that, that is clearly the nadir. You know, that, that was really the low point for this ownership group, and, and really, in real terms, that was only five years ago. We're talking about March of 2012, so, you know, the Warriors have shown to be this elite team and have created, you know, broken all of these records and settled these milestones in just five years, but this is actually a really ephemeral thing, so this thing happened really quickly, and there was a lot to go through in the book. I feel like we sort of forgot all the little decisions and machinations that went into all of this, and I think that was the real fun of reliving that and doing the reporting. Eric, how much of having um, the owners of the Warriors, how much of that made this possible, like kind of understanding all of this and the impact it could have on a team? I think it made it directly possible, and I think really they were sort of the right uh, owners for the right team at the right time. Um, 
We should also say that they paid $450 million. That was a record sum uh, amount of money, and that was only seven years ago. I think the Houston Rockets just got sold for $2.2 billion. So the Warriors, uh, their ownership group has recouped that investment pretty well. Talk about a good ROI. Um, but they, they, you know, they, they were able to apply the principles. You know, Peter Guber, the other co-owner, he's a very prolific and very famous uh, Hollywood producer. You know, he was with more of the business side, the fan experience, and improving. You know, once the fan comes in through those arena doors, uh, what is their experience like? How long does it take for them to get to their seat? Can we cut down concession times? Things like that. And Joe Lakeup really applied himself to the basketball side of things and, and revamping the entire front office and bringing in people with a different kind of experience. And a lot of people scoffed at some of the hires that he made over the years, but Again, in the end, a lot of his decisions were validated. Yeah, and there was also an understanding of of how the you know the the fundamentals of just running a basketball team, how the salary cap works, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, you know they 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 took they took they had this they took on this Corey Maggette contract because it was huge. <laughs> Uh, another uh, another player who was you know, Warriors fans won't remember, but I'll remember because I knew we had this huge contract. And once that contract bled out, they suddenly had room to spend on free agents or to keep existing players. And then, uh, of course, they saw so they they also lucked into a, a bad ankle of Steph Curry right. that inexplicably got better. Yeah, there's been a lot of good fortune. There's been a lot of serendipity, and I think that any team that sort of reaches these unprecedented heights, I think that obviously that's part of the equation. Um, but you know, there's also a lot of a lot of this was by design, and a lot of this was through hard work, and it was about thinking laterally and things. There, there's a lot of really great business concepts applied in here, and you know, I think about you know we talk about the trade um, or bringing in Andre Iguodala as a free agent in 2013. That was really a big tr- turning point because this was not a, a free market destination that was looked on kindly by by NBA players and. And what's weird about that, I get into the book, is that this is a guy who really wanted to come to the Warriors, almost inexplicably, but they needed to dump more than $20 million in salary. And it's like, how are you going to do that? So there were all these little you know, twists and turns along the way, and, and it really required people who were going to think about the NBA in a different kind of way. There's also a, a bring in Jerry West, uh, who of course was is, is the logo. The, the right. NBA logo was based on him, an image of him dribbling the ball. Furthermore, he of course was one of the architects of putting the Lakers together. Um, but bringing in Jerry West as an advisor to, to, to say things like, "Hey, let's let's go with Draymond Green, who everybody else in the league looked at as too short to play power forward." But he sort of it said that size doesn't matter, and when Jerry West says it, it's more believable. You know, the hiring of Jerry West in 2011 was another turning point. This was a guy who had, you know, one of the most impeccable credentials. Like you said, he's literally the logo. <laughs> he's the icon of the NBA. Uh, but when he came in, he said, look, I don't want to be the guy that makes the decisions. I want to be, I can advise you. I, I can steer you guys in the right direction. This was a very green organization at that point. But he said, I need to get to sleep at night. And I've had those sleepless nights for decades now. So I'll be here. I'll push in the right direction. And the value of having a guy like Jerry West is also not in the decisions that they did make. But the decisions that they did not make, you know, such as not trading Clay Thompson for Kevin Love back in 2014, Ugh. having a guy like that was so valuable. Eric Malinowski, the book is called Beta Ball, Silicon Valley and Science. Beta. Did you beta say Ball. Beta? Mo Beta, Mo Beta, Beta Eric, Ball. Can you believe that? Beta. <laughs> Great stuff, Beta I love Ball. I'm giving you a hard time. Listen to Bloomberg Markets. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> 